Good afternoon, y'all. It sure is good to see y'all today. Um, guys, the readings today are fantastic. Uh, the gospel reading, it kind of picks up in the middle of a conversation, so it's kind of hard to kind of catch what Jesus is talking about. But if you back up just a little bit, you'll see Jesus was talking to his apostles about them being persecuted for being a follower of him, right? So he's speaking to them about they're going to they're gonna persecute you, they're going to kill you, all because of my name, right? <clears throat> but have no fear, I'm with you, right? That consoles it. So, um, so he's talking about that, and then he leads into the gospel today. But just to kind of give you an insight into this, when Jesus is speaking about their persecutions, um, we see it happen right there in the first reading in the Acts of the Apostles. Our history as Catholics, this is, this is our story, right? How did the church begin? It began with bold men and women preaching the gospel, and it began with persecution. So Paul and Silas are speaking about Jesus, and they're spreading the gospel, and, um, and they're arrested and thrown into jail, and not just into any part of the jail. It says into the innermost part of the jail, which the jails back then, were they went into the ground and then through, and so they, they were put to the very, 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 very back, right? Like it would have been very, very difficult to get to them. There would have been layers of doors that you'd have to go through, so to speak. So they were put way back there. Not only put back there, they were chained by their ankles to the ground. They didn't want these dudes getting out, you know? But what happens, we see the power of God because the apostles, Paul and Silas, were in there, and they weren't sitting there complaining. They weren't sitting there saying, woe is me, um, or playing like a victim. They were singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. What an awesome thought, right? They were lifting up their voices to God in praise. And while that happened, there was a violent earthquake. Doors flew open. And miraculously, the shackles on their ankles were burst open and they were set free. Now, earthquakes don't do that kind of thing, but something did. Earthquakes don't break shackles open. Right, and so, but the cool thing is that Paul and Silas stayed there. They, if it was me, I'd have got up and took off running. Right, but they stayed, and so the guard comes in there. If you recognize it, he comes in there and he says, "Oh no, like they're all gone." And, and so then he hears the voice of Paul, "Don't kill yourself." Right, he drew a sword to kill himself. Don't kill himself. We're here. What's incredible about this is that. Paul and them could have taken the, the easy way out, and they'd have been justified in doing so, right? There's other encounters, like with Peter, the jails were broken and he left. But God had them stay there. Why? For that one man's soul. All right? That's an incredible thing, right? We think they go out and they get the multitudes, and sometimes they do. But sometimes God does miraculous, incredible things through suffering of Paul, through our sufferings for one soul. That man's life was saved. And he even said, what must I do to be saved? And so he takes Paul and Silas, brings them to his home, bandages their wounds because they had been flogged to death. And it says, him and his whole household were baptized. Right? That's pretty cool, right? I mean, as Catholics, we always get hit, right? Well, why do you baptize his babies? Let them make their own choice later on. And I've said this many times. No, the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles will speak of this even though it doesn't say his babies were baptized, his whole household. So if, if you tell me, well, I have my whole household, you would say, well, that's you and your wife and your kids. That's your household. So his whole household was baptized. 
For the sake of one soul, Paul and Silas had all this pain and suffering flogged, thrown into prison, but yet persevered, and he was saved, along with the whole household. Pretty awesome. So yes, did the church get persecuted? Absolutely. Jesus is true and right whenever he says that, just a little bit before in John's Gospel. Now we see the Gospel open up right after the predictions of the persecutions. And guys, I love this. Jesus is telling them that he's going to go away. He's going to, he's going to go to the Father, and you're not going to see him anymore. And this is before the crucifixion, just two chapters before. And I love this. Jesus notices their humanity and their heart. He says, now I'm going to the one who sent me, and not one of you have asked me, where are you going? But because I've told you this, grief has filled your hearts. I love how Jesus recognizes the emotion, the humanity of his followers. He recognizes that they, were, they heard something and they were struck silent. You ever that happen to you and grief fills your heart? Sometimes it happens whenever you get bad news from the doctor. And they say to you, we're sorry, but there's nothing more we can do for you. Oh, silence. There's nothing you can say, right? Whenever a loved one passes away, sometimes there's grief and you can't speak, right? That's what the apostles are feeling. Is that gut-wrenching feeling that you and I have felt? That's what they feel. He's leaving us. What is he talking about? This man whom we love, he's going and we're not going to see him? Oh, this gut wrench inside. And Jesus recognizes it. And he doesn't avoid it. So many times whenever those awkward moments happen, I just like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to like step outside the room. But he confronts it. He's a man, and he confronts it. And it's beautiful because in his own humanity, we see Jesus' heart. Jesus had a real heart, y'all. It was absolutely a real heart. It wasn't just this image. It wasn't a part of his spiritual body. His heart, his most sacred heart, was a real human heart. And he felt real human emotions. Even more so because he was perfect, divine, sinless. He felt more intense than we would. And so when he feels their grief, he takes it to himself in his own human heart. And he gives them hope. Right? He doesn't leave them in their grief. He says, look, guys, yes, that's the reality. It's true. I'm leaving. And I know that you're sad. And I know that the grief is there. But if I don't go, it's better that I go for you because there's something better that's in store. What is it? I'm going to send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you to all truth. I love the image of the Holy Spirit as my advocate. It's like court, right? You have the advocate, the one who's on your side, who wants to defend you. And then you have Scripture called Satan, the accuser. He wants to accuse us of our sins and condemn us in our sins. But the Holy Spirit is the one who we want to call upon to, to defend us, to be on our side, to present to the Father who we are as sons and daughters and not be identified and accused in our sins. And so Jesus is right. It is better that he leaves so that the Holy Spirit can come and be our advocate, right? And so maybe today, this is a good thing, and I've said this last week, as Catholics, we need to get to know the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he, he's on our side. And he's powerful as he is the very love personified of the Father and the Son, right? So let's get to know the Holy Spirit. He's our advocate. 
And whenever the enemy comes to us, tempting us, speaking lies to us, accusing us, we have an advocate on our side who wants to give us every good gift and draw us deeper to that beautiful, sacred heart of Jesus. Amen?